0: Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host Phil Sharoki, and today we are going to continue our look at the Mosaic Law, also known as also known as excuse me the Law of Moses. So far, we've started in Exodus chapter twenty. We've covered twenty twenty one, and today we're going to look at Exodus chapter twenty two, where Moses discusses responsibility for property. And moral and ceremonial principles so um, again I um, originally started this whole um, look at the law because in the um, original uh, part 1 2 of Jesus being the fulfillment of the law I kind of misspoke I um, implied maybe that the law was kind of created by the Jews was um, part of a religious practice, if you will, but I have definitely, I stand um, corrected, and the law is given um, on Mount Sinai by God himself directly to Moses, which is pretty incredible, and um, now, again, I felt led after having that, um, you know, um, I guess, reality um, uh, kind of uh, presented to me that... I wanted to go through and cover um, from the 10 commandments in exodus 20 all the way through the book of deuteronomy that's also known as essentially the mosaic law it's a majority of the torah um, and it's what the some very orthodox jews these days base their entire religious belief and way of life on there's nothing wrong with that it's a great um great guide to How to live essentially and I see a lot of godly wisdom in all of what I've seen so far there's a lot of structure and order to um, God's law and the mosaic law and how he commands us to live our lives treat one another and um, you know conduct ourselves in business and personal affairs uh, as well so um, there's a lot of place for this in society After looking through briefly just what we've seen so far, I can see a lot of our modern day laws and the ways we treat each other are um, kind of uh, evolved from the Mosaic law for sure. So, um, you know, without any further ado, let's get into Exodus chapter 22 as we continue our look at the law of Moses. Okay. And like I said, we are going to look at Exodus chapter 22 in this episode. So, starting with Exodus 22, verse 1, My Spirit-Filled Life New King James Version Bible subtitles this section, Responsibility for Property. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the thief is certainly found alive in his hand, excuse me, if the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, Whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed... He who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not make it good. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor, and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. Alright, so that's Exodus chapter twenty two, verses one through fifteen. I want to take it to look a look at the notes here in my Spirit filled life New King James Version Bible. And then we'll go from there. There's a lot in there. And basically, you know, again, responsibility for property is what it's subtitled. And it's basically, you know, it covers obviously the topics of theft, kind of wrongdoing towards people the way, unfortunately, human beings do. They rob, steal, and steal, and destroy just like their father, Satan, if they're evil. And, um, you know, that's what the Lord is addressing here in this um, specific passage. So let's again look at... um, the notes here for that section. The thief had to make restitution. If a thief broke into a home at night and was killed, the person who killed him was free of wrath. If a thief came into a home in the daylight and was killed, the one doing the slaying was treated as a murderer. The rationale behind this is based upon the ability of the witness to identify the thief and take him before the judges for restitution. So quickly stopping there. That's addressing basically um, Exodus 22 verses two to four, where it speaks about a thief breaking in. And, you know, if it's basically nighttime and, you know, that's it's a sudden event and the thief is killed, then the um, owner of the property, for example, is not guilty of anything. But if during the daytime somebody breaks in, you see the person, and they're, you know, committing a crime, and they are not of a threat to you, then if you go ahead and kill them just for breaking into your home, then you are going to be held responsible. And it says here to be that you will be treated like a murderer. So it's not just uh, self-defense. There, it's it's a it's a um, wanton act. It, it's an, it's a willing act to harm someone it it's very prideful if you think about it because i can understand the anger of someone you know violating your your property violating your home violating your security but at the same time that's not necessarily worthy of death when you can possibly you know um uh you know uh arrest the person so to speak or contain them until they can be brought before authorities, essentially. So, you know, in the modern day, I feel like our laws are very similar to that at this point as well. I mean, if you, you know, if you're woken up in the middle of the night and there's a thief in your home, be careful. I mean, again, if you can do your best to subdue them and hold them until the law can get there, that's my recommendation. But you know, if they're violent and aggressive and coming towards you and they have a weapon too, then you have to, you know, defend yourself and you have to do what you have to do to make sure that, you know, you're not killed in the, in the process of this person robbing your house or your family for that matter. But if, you know, you these days, it's very applicable. And I can think of instances that this happens in modern times where, you know, somebody, for example, um, you know, for for most states, except for Texas, if you, you know, somebody's just in your yard or in your garage, you know, that you find them and you kill them, then you could definitely be held for at least manslaughter, if not maybe second or third degree murder, because that's something where you're not defending your property necessarily. You're kind of acting out of vengeance and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of anger and that, you know, prideful ego type of flesh driven, um, justice, quote unquote. Um, and it's, it's a fair law, you know, um, people make mistakes. Believe me. Um, there's a million reasons why Sony might be stealing or be a thief. Typically, uh, <laughs> out of the million reasons, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, 99% of them are, you know, not legit, but there could be a reason, you know, the old thought of, you know, stealing to feed your family, if you will, because they have no other resources or means, you know, again, that can really, that's a shallow, you know, uh, um, excuse, but um, uh, that person is not necessarily deserving of death, especially if you can do something to prevent them from stealing from you and to also contain them. So, you know, it it goes, um, it goes both ways here. And again, it's a, another very modern type of line of thought and line of logic that's still applied pretty much to this very day in uh, instances that are mentioned exactly here in Exodus 22. So um, let's continue here um, on the notes for, again, Exodus 22, verses 1 to 15. Just finishing up. The rationale behind this is based upon the ability of the witness to identify the thief and taken before the judges for restitution. And then picking up at the note here for verse 13, where it says, If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. The note here says, The carcass provided that a wild beast did attack the animal, and that the one charged with the animal's safety did attempt to protect it. So, again, this is going through some stuff that... Typically in America, we don't deal directly with animals, especially where I'm from. I'm from more of a city setting and um, suburban setting. So I don't deal with a lot of um, thievery of, you know, heads of, you know, cow or cattle or, um, you know, um, different things like that. But you know what? In, in these modern days, I mean, there's a lot of people that steal other people's pets, dogs, cats, things like that. So, um, You know, again, uh, to the very least, if you do that, you should give the, if you're caught, you should, hopefully the animal's still alive and healthy and you can give it back. And if not, you know, it makes sense that you have to pay some kind of restitution towards a person for the value of the animal. Um, There's, you can get pet insurance these days where your animal is actually insured against different things. I'm sure theft is one of them, as well as, I don't know if they insure against sickness. I don't know how that would work, but um, who knows? Maybe they could, I could see pet insurance if it doesn't exist already hello here's a nice market would be for you know just the way humans have health insurance why not pet health insurance maybe i'll have to look into that maybe i have a new little side gig going but um you know it, it would make sense either way and um it definitely makes sense here where um you know just addressing different situations but my point also being with mentioning that is although we don't deal with here in this country, a large majority of the world still have, you know, um, uh, private ownership of different types of animals, you know, sheep, uh, goats, um, cows, uh, ox, you know, whatever it may be, chickens, um, you know, for food, for uh, to sell, to butcher, whatever it might be. And um, yeah, a lot of people deal with this. I, I see, you know, there was a uh, there's a show I watched where, you know, they they had a, a footage of um, a, a a ring of people over. And I think it was like India or some kind of Euro Asian country where there was a, a theft ring of people stealing sheep that would basically just roll up on a motorcycle, grab the sheep under their arm, literally, and just take off with the thing right on a bike. And then, you know, they had a guy waiting, you know, down the road with a, with a truck that could, you know, um, transport the sheep or whatever it was a little more uh, conveniently to their storehouse where they would sell them. And I mean, this place, this, this ring of theft had uh, ended up accumulating, I don't know, like 50, 60 heads of sheep or something like that, which is, you know, that's a lot of money in, you know, around the world. Uh, If we don't realize it, I mean, when you're talking, when we drive through some nice rural areas and see those cows out there on the pasture or sheep or you know, horses, each one of those animals can be worth thousands of dollars a piece. You know, we're talking that's you know, that could you might be looking at tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of you know, um, livestock for a farmer, and um, it's very valuable to this day. Again, we're very. <laughs> America and a lot of Europe and even even Israel right now they're really involved in this uh um growing um you know uh lab grown meats and dairy products and eggs. I think that sounds disgusting. I would never eat anything like that. I'll be on a plant-based diet way before I'm ever eating some kind of disgusting Lab grown meat that sounds actually stomach turning. I don't care how appetizing they make it look. No thanks, man. I want the real thing, or I won't eat it at all. I'm good. Um, I'll force myself to eat fish and seafood at that point if I have to because that just, that just looks disgusting and it's a big push for climate control. All these insane people are talking about you know how detrimental cows are to the ozone layer, their carbon footprint, blah 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 blah. Well. You know, it was never a problem, what, until the year 2000? Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, and now it's so political. It's just people are out of their minds with this stuff. The left and the far left are just insane. And as well as the right and the far right. That's why I believe we're called to be more centrist in most of our beliefs because – you know, nothing will get accomplished in any society if people are always fighting and warring, as we've seen in the streets over the past couple of years, since about 2020, with different um, extremist groups going literally head-to-head and fighting each other. Fist fighting, bats, mace, all kinds of stuff, out in the middle of the street. The police are sitting there just watching, watching it all happen, which... Don't understand how that works, but okay, um, I guess that's the world we're living in these days. And I'm just talking about America. I I, I just can't believe the downward spiral that this country is on, and it's only accelerating. So I, I, hey, I have no fear. Again, God, thank you, Lord, you're in control of everything. It only has to get worse before it can get better, and if these are the end days, which I believe we're living in right now, then you know, it's gonna get much, much worse than what we see. So, you know, I was, there was just somebody who made an ignorant comment I saw on social media. You know, there was a um, group, an organization requesting, you know, donations for um, basically helping people and Christians around the world that are persecuted and killed to try to get out of those countries or situations, and this person basically said, you know, Christians are always trying to be victims. There's no such thing as that these days. Well talk about ignorance and living in an American bubble or or a European Western bubble, they must not have never heard of the Middle East, India, North Korea, China. Um, Thousands of Christians are killed every year for their faith up to this very day. So uh, it just amazes me, the ignorance of many people these days. It's as if they live on the internet alone. And well, it would make sense that at least it seems like a large majority of people do because it seems like everybody's thoughts are based on memes these days instead of facts and reality. So, um, good luck with that. Have fun. I, I'll continue to read books and do my own research and you know study up on history and try to at least be a, um, a a cog in not letting it repeat itself. Although the anti-Semitism, for example, right now and and the hatred of Israel is just getting greater and greater like the Bible says it would until I believe Israel will be attacked greatly within the next, within, you know, the next decade, I would think Um, Russia right now has really taken a different posture recently towards Israel because of their, um, you know, Russia's um, attacking Ukraine uh, totally illegally right now. So sickening what's going on over there as the West sits and watches. It's, it's absolutely abhorrent. Um, Talk about a lack of spine and moral uh, fortitude. It's stomach turning that we can just sit and um, the powers that be just sit and let that go on. But, you know, Russia and other con- Iran, you know, um, you know, all these Middle Eastern countries are getting very aggressive towards Israel. And America's really starting to go that way as well really interfering with politics that they have no business interfering with whatsoever. Sovereign nations can make their own decisions. And, um, you know, Israel doesn't need anyone, including America. And I hope they they tell America soon to just go buzz off and uh, they're going to, you know, conduct themselves in their own best interest, which they should, because most of the people here have no clue what's really going on over there. But, you know, Get off of your local, you know, your your mass media websites and, and go on to some Israeli websites. Go on to some Middle Eastern websites. You'll see what's really going on. You'll see the news. You'll see it's very different than what's painted over here in these disgusting right-wing and left-wing political bubbles that people like to live in. So, again, you know, burst the bubble, if you will. Go out and actually do some research. Go out and live a little bit. Go to those places. Go see what's going on over there. I have, I, um, and, you know, even with Israel, as much as there was terrorism, you know, going on about a month ago, really bad attacks almost, you know, every couple of days. Um, and it's still continuing, but I had a friend who was over there and, you know, it was, um, it was nothing like it was being painted here in America on the media. It, it was, yes, it was a little, you know, scary, but frankly, they've learned to live with it over there. Unfortunately, it's just part of their life. So, um. Again, everything's so politicized in this country. It's everybody, all these loser politicians just want to get into office and just keep pushing their own agendas so they can stay in power. And it's just sickening. But anyway, let's move on. We're going to look at Exodus 22 verses 16 through 30 next. Again, this uh, section is subtitled Moral and Ceremonial Principles. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, He shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. He who sacrifices to any God except to the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him. Four, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry out, or excuse me, and they cry at all to me, me being capital M, God, Jesus, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that it is only cover. excuse me, for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that. When he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices, the firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me. And you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. So looking at the notes here again for Exodus chapter 22, verses 16 through 31, it says, Sex was viewed as a gift of God. Godly sex allowed one to imitate God as a creator by giving life to another human being in God's image. Thus, all improper sexual activity was looked down upon as an affront to God and a lowering of human dignity. Sorcery was trying to force a deity or spirits to do the bidding of the sorcerer. The afflict meant, excuse me, to afflict meant to treat with contempt. The duty of the rich was to lend to the poor, but usually without interest. Surety could be asked for but not if it would cause the borrower borrower to suffer. The same honor paid to God was also to be paid to his representatives. So one quick point there is the concept of what we would, what, we, what is called also usury, which is the concept and idea of lending with interest. And that is a principle that our entire economic system at this point is based on. If you didn't realize it, which I'm sure we're all aware of and know, whenever you borrow money from a financial institution for anything, they tack on interest. Right now, there's a big discussion and debate going with the interest rate. Right now, there's something called the Fed, the Federal Reserve, that controls interest rates across the pretty much global economy because America really sets the tone for um a lot of the global um economic condition which right now the fed is increasing interest rates in order to try to hedge off some of this inflation that's going on but i'm not even going to get into deep economics but all i can say is that it's not going to work nothing's going to work we're heading towards a recession and it all comes down to usury it all comes down to the misuse of people. The misappropriation, they're lending to people that should not be receiving loans, for example. Right now, we have a lot of um, financial institutions making um, loans based upon um, a lot of factors. Everything other than economic factors, it seems like, which is a very unhealthy practice. And of course, it's going to, you know, cave in on itself because... It makes sense because those people, there's a reason why they wouldn't normally qualify for those loans because they don't, it's unsustainable. At the, you know, most loans, I would think if they default, it's probably within the first six to 12 months. And right now we're right in that window of all these new policies that came out. I wouldn't be surprised if the government, the current administration is probably backing some of these loans In the backdoor aspect of, um, you know, um, we have FDIC that guarantees money for private citizens, but banks are also can be guaranteed on the back end and backdoor that any money that they may lose on defaults, for example, will be made up by the government. Again, horrible economic policies, totally um, just waiting to just have financial ruin. And it's already starting to play out. There's a lot of rumors of an upcoming recession. The housing market's about to collapse again. I watched it in 2008. Here we are, let's see, um, 14 years later, and it's about to happen right away again. It was pretty quick. Um, that, that's a pretty quick turnaround in how, how soon we forget all of the um, things. I mean, people forget in 2008, there were people killing themselves and their families because they were about to lose everything, and they did lose everything. Um, There was major – there was $700 billion, I believe, given to the banks, large, large financial institutions by the government just to keep them afloat because they were, quote, unquote, too big to fail. They should have failed then. Um, It would have been a complete shuffle of the economic system and would have probably been better for the world economy. But, you know, right now, things are (laughs) – essentially what's happened – is America's built on sand. It's not built on the rock. So when you build a house on sand, it's only a matter of time before a storm comes through and knocks it down. And that's exactly what's going to happen right now. Very foreseeable. I'm actually not too disappointed. I'm I'm in a career that's very um, stable regardless of the economy. Um, typically, my, uh, my specific field actually ends, tends to do better in poor economic times because... Um. Well, when there's no other way, place to turn, everybody likes to try to turn and uh, all of a sudden file insurance claims, which, hey, keep me busy. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to travel all over the place and do these claims. So, you know, that's all good to me. But unfortunately, it's going to have a very detrimental effect on the um, working class citizens. And that's about probably 80% of the country in the world. So, I mean, I, a lo- even larger majority of that, but I'd say this is going to have a big impact on people. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people driving around brand new cars buying homes that frankly, again, they just, they're, they're not qualified to, to, to get these loans and they're going <laughs> to banks, banks will only wait so long before they're coming and foreclosing on those homes. And for me, I'm going to look to buy a house soon. I'm actually right going to be in a very sweet spot of um, being able to take advantage of some really low prices for some really nice homes within the next year. I say probably six months to six to 12 months. Uh, that That's my window of looking to buy a home. And that's also coincidentally right when it looks like I think the economy is going to bottom out again. And um God, it's by the grace of God. I'm I'm in a good position and a lot of people I know are in good positions too. But um definitely keep an eye on that and um pay your bills, keep your credit low. Um, you know, I mean credit card balance is low. I mean keep your credit scores up, but uh, you know, there's um there's bad times right around the corner. And uh, you know, it's also a market correction. There's a reason why a recession is called a correction and the market corrects itself, and I didn't want to get into economics. I'm still trying to stay on the the outer fringes of it, but you know, recessions they weed out the weak and they strengthen the strong, and um, that's exactly what's about to happen now. And you know, um, again, when you build your house on sand, the storms come and blow it down. You. <laughs> you you can't violate God's laws and principles that are laid out right here, for example, and, um, expect success. America, this country, this society and the West have been shaking their fist at God, have been implementing laws and policies directly against his wishes and his thoughts for, uh, a good two, three decades, especially as I, as of what I've seen. And, um, doesn't take long to turn around and come and bite you. So here we are. It's about to bite. Get ready. So anyway, um, that's going to conclude our look at Exodus chapter 22 as we continue our look at the Mosaic Law, also known as the Law of Moses. So God bless and have a great day.